Accumulation Country. My name is Phil. This is the Fun with Bitcoin podcast. We are in season two, and this is episode 48. It's Thanksgiving here in the U.S. this week, so I'm going to take the time to wish everybody happy, healthy Thanksgiving, and I hope you all you know make some amazing memories and uh, have some fun. Anyways, this week I have a great conversation with the gentleman that I believe termed uh, coined the term default Keynesian in the Bitcoin space. So that'll give you a little bit of a hint. All right, I'll just tell you. Anyways, I've got a really cool interview with Brady from the Citizen Bitcoin podcast. We go through his rabbit hole story. We talk about, you know, just different philosophies in Bitcoin and the social contract. And Brady drops a hint to a secret project he's working on. Anyways, it's a really great episode. Glad you guys are with me. And... Without further ado, let's start the show. Here's my interview with Brady from Citizen Bitcoin. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another Fun with Bitcoin podcast. I'm your host, Phil. And joining me today is a very special guest, one of the uh, probably the first podcaster I met uh, in the space. And um, I think I started my journey in Bitcoin a little bit after him. And um, his podcast always inspires me. And I find he gets great guests and he has a very methodical approach. So I had to get him on my podcast to come and tell us the rabbit hole story and tell us what he's all about. Citizen Bitcoin, thank you very much for joining me. What's up, Phil? So glad to be here, man. Um, big fan of your podcast. Um, yeah, I'm just happy to be here, dude. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Cool, man. Me too. I mean, we've we've had some chats in the past, but it's always been in group chat. So it's it's nice to uh, to finally uh, have the one on one, you know? Yeah, man, this is nice. So before we uh, before we get into uh, a lot of our a uh, lot of our discussion, I, I always like to start off with the rabbit hole story, man. So please tell me, like, uh, you know, where did you come from before Bitcoin and how did you get into it? Yeah, man. Well, I've been a computer nerd my whole life. So, I mean, it's the moment I saw my first computer, I was just like completely taken by it. And I, my dad actually tells that story. Like I was at my grandpa's house. He had this really old computer. He's, he's kind of always been into tech stuff too. You know, he's a uh, older dude, but man, he was like all over website building and email and all that stuff from the beginning. So he had this really old computer and it had a, this like shitty eight bit, uh, you know, like baseball game. Right. And I was just like, Oh my God, what is this? What is this thing? This magical machine that like lets me interact with the screen and, uh, totally taken by it. So I started pestering my parents to get us a computer and that happened. And then, uh, we got, you know, we got a modem and I convinced my stepdad that we needed uh, a fax line for his, his <laughs> doctor. I was like, you really need to have a fax line at home. What if somebody really needs to fax you something? You know, it's like a life and death situation. You need, you need to get, <laughs> you need to get a fax right away. And uh, I don't, I think maybe he received like three faxes the entire, like my, my entire childhood, but I used that fax line as a dedicated BBS line. So I was running a, an, like an old ANSI style, ANSI text BBS with a 2400 baud modem. Sick. So that was, yeah, that was like my, <laughs> my first experience with like, you know, networking and connecting computers. And it wasn't the internet, of course, but then I had a, a friend who was at a local university. And so I got access to the internet and Usenet and IRC and all that stuff. So that was probably like, I was like 10 years old, uh, late eighties, like 1989. 
um, I think I started getting that that stuff. And then, of course, you go get into AOL and, and all that, um, CompuServe. And I remember my friend and I, we coded up this this thing in Visual Basic. It was it was a total it was a total troll thing. Like it was it was a uh, a screensaver, and you'd create like a um, an address book or like a phone a phone book, um, put phone numbers in there. And while your screensaver was on, it would just like call people, oh my call, God. like prank call, like just prank call over and over, like just dial someone like three or four times. It'd be like a random number, I'd go to the next number in the thing. I was just like such an ass asshole thing to do. But you know, we were just like these two little like teenage punk kids, and like thought it was hilarious. Uh, you know, so it, we, we put it up on CompuServe and it had like 10,000 downloads and we were just like, holy crap, what is going on here? Yeah, dude, that's a war uh, dialer. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we didn't know it at the time, but that's awesome. You know, we're like, we're like, let's, yeah, we got into like Cody with, with the modem and stuff. And from there we like built this really cool, uh, pong game where it was, we built a client server and like he, I could dial into his modem and we could play pong from like, you know, our houses. So you like go home at night and like sit down at the computer and, and play pong with each other. Um, we had like power ups and shit like on the, uh, on the paddles, you could, you could get power ups and like make your ball come off like twice as fast or in some like random uh, angle and stuff. I, you know, it was just like, that was my, that's what I did for fun for like three straight summers. So then I, I, you know, started working, um, doing like selling computers at Office Depot and then, um, doing like, I like tech support at a local insurance company. Uh, and then I became like webmaster. This was in college, became webmaster for the Kansas insurance department, which is like government agency. Uh, but I had a hookup there and, and built their first website and like all that stuff. So kind of put myself through college, um, with that work. And, uh, I really wanted to like drop out and you know start work like go out to silicon valley or something and start start working on the internet because i i started doing computer science in college but like had the, the curriculum was terrible right i mean they were teaching yeah. like cobalt and like mainframe shit you know and i was learning way more just on the job but my dad like <clears throat> you know he had this dream of paying for our college me and my brother and you know he worked really hard to get there and he was like basically like no man you have to finish college you know <laughs> So I was like, all right, then I'm just going to, I'm just going to be an English major and read books because it's easy. And like, you know, just, just like learn, learn on the job. So that's what I did. And then I ended up going to the Peace Corps and teaching English just to kind of get out of, get out of, away from home for a while. Cause I went to college near home Oh wow! and that was amazing, but it kind of sort of changed the course of my life. Um, so I ended up like falling in love and getting married and we ended up like, settling down back near my home and um you know like i, I don't know I, I started working remotely on the web and stuff but the the dream of like moving out to california and you know working at some startup and stuff sort of just like you know fell down the priority list i guess you could say so i'm, I'm living here in kansas you know working remote on the web um and then <laughs> i uh i found like i saw bitcoin on slash dot you know because it Every computer nerd is, was on Slashdot back in the day. So, so what, what? What year is this? This was like, you know, 2011, 2012, cool. maybe 2013, something like that. I don't remember exactly, but I do remember opening a Coinbase account in 2014, or trying to anyway. I opened, a, I made an account, and then I had trouble getting fiat there because I had this kind of small bank, small regional bank, and Coinbase was really early, and they'd really only worked with like the bigger banks. 
And, you know, I just didn't want to mess with it. I, I, di I didn't, I don't know. I was just curious about it at that point. I hadn't fallen down the rabbit hole. I hadn't gotten that. I hadn't gotten it. Bitcoin hadn't gotten its hooks into me yet. I hadn't, you know, fallen into that <laughs> gravitational pull, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So I, uh, I, I just left my Coinbase account there. And then in early 2017, I just caught wind like on Twitter that Bitcoin had broken its all-time high. And I was like, oh man, or not Twitter. I mean, Bitcoin had broken its all-time high. And I was like, this is, this is cool. I'm going to check this back out. And I found Andreas videos um, well, and that was it, man. That was it. I was just like, this is amazing. I had uh, so much more than I thought. Uh, I've got to, you know, just, I got to learn everything I can. Read the white paper, uh, found, yeah, went through all of everything I could find on YouTube, um, read a bunch of stuff, found the Nakamoto Institute, um, you know, and just, just started reading. And then of course I like, everything was going crazy 2017. So I found Ethereum and watched a bunch of, bunch of stuff with Vitalik and, uh, you know, just started like watching TA and, you know, like, uh, YouTube channels with all these crypto stuff and like, you know, all of the scams are just like interesting to me. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. yes, yes, yes. That's a great idea. Oh my God, it's going to work. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> um, you know, and, and so, Same. yeah, I kind of realized uh, after doing that for a while that, all the all the smart people who were trading crypto were denominating their their uh, you know gains in BTC and like BTC was the king and like I should try to make more Bitcoin right that's the goal and so I kind of I fortunately had picked that up and uh, you know so I did some shitcoin trading um, <laughs> for like six weeks uh, and it was absolute hell man like you know, you just, it's, you have these adrenaline rushes on, on like some winning trades and then you just get crushed, you know, and you lose a bunch of money and you're like, fuck, and you, you hate yourself and yes. you're up, you're like, you're up like, you know, basically all day because it's a 24 seven market. It's absolutely brutal. So I just, I did that for like six weeks and my life was like, had just tanked. Basically my wife was mad at me. Like I was a zombie for my kids, you know? So I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore sold everything and just started holding. And, um, I did have, I did keep some Bitcoin cash cause I wasn't sure which way this fork thing was going to happen. Like go, right. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. And, and so and I was, I, w I didn't have enough knowledge to be convicted one way or the other. Uh, and I felt like there were some great arguments on both sides. I was like definitely pulled in by the big locker thing. Didn't really understand the decentralization priority at that point. Um, but finally, like just in time, I figured it out. Uh, it was like Thanksgiving, right before Thanksgiving, uh, 2017, they ninja launched, uh, Bitcoin cash on Coinbase. Yes. Right? So it just started going nuts and I stayed up all night. I was at my mother-in-law's house. We were staying there for, for a few days for the holiday and I stayed up literally all night long. Me too. Uh, yeah. And I was in this trader's room and so they were like talking about how epic the, this, uh, you know, red candle was going to be. Uh, once Bitcoin, like everybody started selling off, um, that, you know, where, where's the top going to be and everyone's going to sell it off. And like half of my brain's like, Oh shit, Bitcoin cash is going to flip in Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, like it's yep. going to win. And half my brain is like, nah, man, it's going to, it's going to just, the, the traders are running it up. Everyone's trying to make Bitcoin and it's just going to crash. Right. And so I, I ended up, I was in the right room and then these people are just like, you know, we're like, all right, when are we going to pull the trigger? When are we going to sell? When are we going to sell? And they're like, now, 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 sell. And so everybody in the room just starts selling. And, you know, it's a few, 
maybe 20 minutes after that, you know, there was the big red candle and it just absolutely crashed. So I was like, I was high on, on, uh, that <laughs> on, on the, the Bitcoin gains from that for like days. Oh, so for sure. I, my mother-in-law woke up the next morning. I was still sitting on the couch and just like, uh, you know, just adrenaline, you know, everything. And she's like, what is going on, man? And I was like, uh, yeah, well, here's what happened last night. <laughs> you know? And she's just like, dude, you're crazy. What's going on? I'm like, yes, I think you're right about that. It's probably true. Um, yeah. So then it just went on from there, man. I got, I ended up becoming a Bitcoin maximalist <laughs> and, uh, starting, um, a podcast uh, just really for me to learn. Uh, and you know, Tommy, um, yeah. buddy, Tommy, uh, he and I started the podcast together, just a way for us to learn and eventually started interviewing people. And that was just, <laughs> that was really just February of this year. So it's just been a crazy ride. Um, trying to find people to talk to and, and Bitcoiners are just amazing, man. They're really cool. Yeah, they, they definitely are. And I, I find a lot of them are willing to tell their stories, but there's a lot of them that, uh, that aren't. And, um, it, it, it's, it's interesting, right? Because um, you, you'd think that, you know, you, you'd kind of think that people would want to have their stories told um, and, and, and they don't. They, they don't always. And that's perfectly fine. But I, I sometimes feel like the ones that won't tell us are the ones, you know, obviously the ones that we miss out on the most because we, we never get to find out. Yeah, there's definitely been several people who are just like, I don't, yeah. I don't like talking. <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. Like, I, I prefer writing. I'm not a good like communicator in the audio form or something like that. And I get that. I get that. And then there's, there, of course there are people who just, you know, upset conscious and want to remain anonymous. So I get that too, but yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to hear more from those people. Yeah, it definitely, uh, it definitely would. And I always try, you know, like I definitely, uh, definitely always try. I recently spoke to uh, to a coder um, for, for BTC pay server. And, uh, nice. and, and, and he said, uh, yeah, he's like, look, he's like, I, I just write code. He's like, I, yeah. I, I don't want to, he's like, I, I have no, you know, he's like, let, let's skip the podcast. So I was like, oh, damn it. Cause like, I, yeah. I feel like yeah. the story would be great, you know? Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I, 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 I kind of want to go back to something that, uh, that, that you said though, about, uh, you know, being confused and, and the big block and everything like that. And, and I think that yeah. around, like, I remember around that time when I started to hear about Bitcoin cash, uh, sorry, Bcash, um, I, um. I also like, I, you know what? I, I don't know if it's necessarily confusion more than it is like ignorance of like, you know, it's like when you get into Bitcoin, right? Like, cause I, I, I mean, you, you, you kind of, um, for me anyways, like I never heard anybody else use the term default, uh, Keynesian, uh, except, yeah. for, except for you. So for me, like you've coined that term, which I think is totally awesome. And that is exactly a great way to explain what every single one of us is, um, yeah. that that's instructed this way. But I, I just find that like um, there's it was more just like a a sleight of hand. Like for a second there, we kind of forgot why we we got into this, and and really we came here. Like you know when all those shit coins came out and everything, and you hear about all these other projects, and it's like oh this is amazing and that technology is amazing. But it's almost like you you get stuck in this mirage. You know, it really is like Alice tumbling down, you know, the, the rabbit hole and you get stuck in this mirage of like all this other tech. And really, it's like you got to take a step back and realize why you came into, you know, why you came into this, you know. Yeah, like for yeah. the, so so for me, like, what was that? Like, when when did that happen to you? Like you mentioned being in the trading room and everything. But like at, at what, what was I guess? Do you remember the defining moment where you decided that's it? You know, yeah. Bitcoin is it? 
Yeah. I mean, I like, you know, I came in, I, Andreas really has like this amazing, uh, like just energy. Right. And so at first I was, I was really interested in just the prospects for Bitcoin, right. Just what it could mean for the world. And I, you know, was listening uh, that it's going to change things. Um, and this is sort of a new, uh, birth something equivalent to the birth of, of the internet right the internet of money you know that's the message i got and so that was really why i became interested in, in really studying and reading about it and then because everything was going crazy on price i got distracted you know by that by making money trying to make money trying to make as much bitcoin as possible and then, same here yeah so it was months of really watching charts and trying you know trying to do this trading thing whatever um but that that uh, that big that bcash fork and the the scaling debate really forced me to study more because I was trying to figure out what the hell was going to happen because I wanted to make the right trade right so it still comes back down to price and and making money and you know I think like Bitcoin Tina and Murad will talk about how price drives everything you know price is the price is the most important thing and I and I I mean I believe that that's what captures people atten- people's attention and holds it for a while um, but the scaling debate, trying to figure out what was going on there and st- trying to, st- and studying, uh, what was happening. I wrote a blog post about why Roger, Roger Veer was, uh, wrong about scaling. And I had kind of, I I'd sort of had that kind of was leaning in that direction. Right. But to develop that conviction, I really had to study things. So I went through systematically and read the arguments on both sides and, and I, I started asking some questions on Twitter. Like I remember, um, I, I thought that Pierre Rochard was, you know, accessible enough and also had a good understanding what was going on. So I would ask him a bunch of noob questions and he was, you know, for the most part, like pretty awesome about answering my questions. I remember one time I asked him something about, about, uh, you know, isn't, isn't, uh, lightning network and, and like SegWit, isn't that just like a, this idea being pushed by Blockstream and Blockstream is like kind of t- basically taking over Bitcoin. <laughs> and Pierre was like, dude, I can't tell if you're like sincere trolling me. Oh, uh, yeah. And I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I remember that. Oh, my yeah. God. You remember <laughs> yes. That? That's amazing. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. And I was like, no, man, I'm, I'm, I'm sincere. I'm being sincere. He's like, oh, it's just it's just hard to tell these days. You know, he's like, first of all, stop reading RBTC, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Um, yeah. And and so I kind of figured things out. I wrote that post, started doing the podcast and that was, that was it, you know, within the first few months of 2018, I just, you know, realized Bitcoin was it. Um, and, and just kind of grew, grew up from there. And by, by the time I started interviewing other Bitcoiners, I was, you know, all in Bitcoin maximalist, uh, you know, and just, that was it. That was the only thing that mattered anymore. And it was, I was kind of relieved actually. I remember feeling relieved like, yes. oh shit, this is much easier. I don't have to worry about all this other crap anymore, <laughs> you know? So I think that's a very important point that people don't really realize about getting into shitcoining is the amount of like, cause you were talking about like for like a six week span, I think like yeah. it, it was, it was everything. And I can honestly attest to that myself between Thanksgiving. Um, I think it was Thanksgiving 2017. Yeah. Uh, like right before leading up to Thanksgiving, going into Christmas, um, yep. I I was completely inaccessible, and it was it, it was it was completely insane. And, and that was you, the peak. 
Yeah. And, and you yeah. totally got lost in the garbage. And I kid you not. I mean, you know, to your point, you know, you, you, you start to completely obsess over trying to make more sats and constantly moving from, at least in my case anyways, moving from one shit coin to another. Yep. Um, you know, like constantly trying to chase like the, the next like peak on some other piece of garbage coin that has yep. some other tech. And then, and I kid you not, like, um, at some point you, you actually start to fool yourself into thinking that every single one of those can become money. Um, yeah. because you, you, you really forget. It's almost like your belief gets completely debased Yeah, and you start to think like, well, if it starts to have the same network effects, right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's yeah, it's a like you said, it's a mirage, you know, I mean, by that point for me, uh, I was really just trying to make more Bitcoin. So I was thinking about the shit coins as, you know, which one's going to pump next? Like yes. I was trying to get a little bit more information. Uh, dig, basically, the game that you could play was the, get the information asymmetry. So try to find out what like what the crypto whales were going to do next. Which one are which one are they going to pump next? You know? So I just spent time like, you know, in the reddits and the discords and the telegrams and all that stuff, trying to track down, all right, which one's going to pump next and getting in on it. And it was just a, you know, a silly game. It was silly. I mean, I tried to make more Bitcoin, but you know, I, th I did all right. Cause everyone, you know, it was hard to lose money at that point because everything yeah. was going up. Right. It was, but, <laughs> but, uh, it's just not, it's just not worth it at all. Um, the amount of like energy and attention and distraction, it takes from you is, is just not worth it. That's where the relief came from. You know, like I was just like, Oh, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I can just focus on Bitcoin and, uh, and that's it. And it was, I felt so much better. Um, and I think, Oh, the other one, the other thing I want to mention was, you know, the tax shit, the tax stuff is just awful. Oh, Trying yeah. to, re I mean, report all that stuff. Um, you know, and it's, it was a absolute nightmare. Um, and my tax bill was huge. So I had to make sure that, you know, I had that I, you know, I did my taxes really early in 2018 cause I knew like it seemed like the bubble had popped and things were kind of, you know, gonna go down. And so I wanted to sell what I needed to sell to pay my tax bill as soon as possible. So yep. I had you know, rushing to get that through and, and had to sell off a huge chunk of Bitcoin, which hurt, you know, cause I didn't have the cash to pay, uh, the IRS with all of those, you know, paper gains and, yeah, it was just, it was, it was not worth it. So then I just started the process of, you know, holding and, and, you know, all of that stuff was taxed at short term. Uh, uh, what do you call it? The That's right. short term gains, short -term right? Gains. So yeah. So it's taxed at your income tax rate. So it was like 30, 35%, whatever it is. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, then I was just like, okay, I'm never going to do that again. Just start holding right now and never going to sell. I'm not going to sell anything at least for a year. Cause I don't want it to be short-term and, uh, you know, gains, uh, taxes. So, and then I just, you know, haven't sold anything since then. Uh, so fortunately I, I kind of had the, the forced toddle on the, just, I don't want to have to pay 35% taxes again. And then in that year, in the course of that year, I was like, all right, I'm never selling Bitcoin early. I'm not going to sell Bitcoin for a long time, <laughs> you know, just start stacking sats and accumulating and, and educating and building and all that. Oh, I totally agree. And uh, so, what do you what do you think uh, the the uh, the stacking sats right? That that that's been good for us. I mean, like oh, that, yeah. that that's totally helped. It's the it's the goat meme, man. It's it's the be it's the greatest of all time. You know, we had buy Bitcoin and the Bitcoin sign guy. Yeah. Uh, and 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 stacking sats is the next iteration of buy Bitcoin, right? And it's it, it is it is more suitable for 
you know, a Bitcoin that's hovering around $10,000 because, you know, than it was when, when Bitcoin sign guy, you know, just did that epic, uh, troll right over the, sh the shoulder of Janet Yellen. I mean, just amazing, right? That's going to go down in history too. It totally um, is. Yeah. And it, you know, you could buy whole Bitcoins back then for, you know, there was more accessible hundreds of dollars, I think. And, um, so yeah, now it's, you know, it, we got to ship the unit, you know, unit bias is real. And I, you know, I, I really like seeing apps embracing, Satoshi's and, and kind of defaulting there and you can, you know, at least providing a toggle to switch back and forth. Uh, it would be huge if exchanges started doing that. So I, I think Cash App needs to at least provide a toggle for people and maybe default the sets uh, and kind of lead the way on that front. Um, I would Great. love to see the major exchanges, you know, switch over. Um, you know, like you, you look at people get so enamored with Ripple, you know, and whatever, because, you know, every single shitcoin knows that this you know this is, is real unibice is real and so they just print a lot more uh you know tokens or whatever their, their max supply is hundreds of millions so that they can have you know sub penny uh you know whole coins or sub penny you know so it's oh, it's yeah. just you know so it's we need to we need to keep pushing that and yeah you know matt matt odell stumbled upon you know a, a major winner there so it's really been it's the best meme from the past couple of years for sure. Super useful. Oh, I totally agree. And actually, uh, Dan Held um, uh, explained that that's really what's one of the things that's going to help. Uh, that's going to help adoption, at least for the mainstream, is the narrative compression. Being able to really easily explain, you know, Bitcoin to to no coiners, because I, I can tell you. I mean, I've onboarded a couple of people this week uh, or in the last two weeks. And and I can say it's uh, it's definitely abstract to them. You know, they they feel a shift. And I think that that's diff that's one of the things that's difficult in our in our user experience. You know, like when somebody goes and uses a credit card as opposed to cash, like it's like they're still going to that same cashier. They're still handing over either a card or some cash. And like that user experience is very similar. But when they're going to use Bitcoin, at least for us anyways, um, if you're not a techie, um, the uh, the user experience is uh a little bit um, a little bit different and I I think that um, one of the key players besides cash app uh, which you mentioned is um, is Kaza because once they get using cash app and they get used to it and they decide to start partaking in the ecosystem and maybe they decide they want to get you know like a node or something like that you know like I, I think that the Kaza node is definitely uh, you know one of the ones that has one of the better UX's for sure, yeah. Their their UX UI is beautiful. Um, the Sats app is obviously sort of the Bitcoin version of, of Cash App, trying to be uh, with Sats tags and versus Cash tags, and the really simple UI uh, UX to spend. And it's you know c connected to your own node, which you know helps with the self. You know, obviously encourage self sovereignty. You can use Sats app without your own node too, um, which is cool. But True. Yep, uh, which I think is important for adoption, and we can kind of move people toward self sovereignty over time. Um, yeah, so I, I think I think Casa is positioning themselves and you know perfectly, honestly, uh, emphasizing privacy, usability, and sovereignty kind of all at the same time. But understanding that usability is you know primary to really driving adoption uh, and. There's trade-offs between usability and security, but I think they do a really good job of, you know, walking that line 
Um, and I, I think that they, they make some choices that, uh, you know, the security experts will uh, maybe say is not perfect, but they do a really, really good job uh, really making things usable and as, you know, still really damn secure, you know, like they're, and that's just going to keep getting better. That's going to keep getting better. So uh, as, you know, as you got to build this stuff out, like I was talking to Jeremy Welch, that episode will drop uh, this coming week. And he was saying like the amount of coding and engineering that goes into very simple things, like being able to uh, like the node heartbeat, for instance, super simple uh, mechanic, you know, one tap, sends a message from your node over to Casa to say, Hey, we're, you know, the, the nodes live and you can earn 10,000 sats a week doing that, which I think someday is going to be crazy. Like yes. we're going to tell our grandkids we earn 10,000 sats a week for pushing a button, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he said that that took, you know, so much engineering time to be able to do it in a secure way. And he's like, you know, there's, there's uh, so many considerations behind the scenes that uh, we talk behind all of this, you know, beautiful UI UX, um, but getting to that just takes a lot of time. Uh, so I, you know, I, I, they have an amazing team. Jameson Lops, one of the best in the business. Oh, yeah. uh, they have, they have great engineers. Uh, they have great designers over there, um, like Nick Newman, who we've both interviewed on our on our podcasts. Uh, just super smart guy. Uh, great products uh, lead over there. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really sold on the kind of the Casa vision and just re-upped uh, for another year plus, I guess, because they're giving you kind of that bonus uh, yeah. year if you if you uh, go for the Casa 2 early, So which is cool. So, uh, yeah, so, you, so we'll get uh, kind of a year extension already off of whenever your membership renews. Um, I've been using the multi-sig. They just launched the, the uh, two hardware wallets, so you don't have to use the mobile key in the multi-sig anymore. Yep. I'll be moving over to that. Um, they're working on cold card support, which I'm really looking forward to. Yes. I'd like to use a Trezor and a cold card instead of a Trezor and a Ledger. Yep. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they're, I mean, and they're just dropping, they're dropping products and, and updates just left and right all the time. They're, they're moving pretty damn fast. So I'm impressed. So, um, yeah, so I guess, uh, so we both, so we both ended up ordering the, uh, the pre-order for the, uh, for the Casa two. Um, yeah. I'm definitely excited for the, uh, for the better hardware. Um, okay. So let me ask you this because I'm not sure if I read this right, or maybe I got confused. Maybe you know this, but, um, are, is the Casa two going to have BTC pay server on it? Yes, it is. Yes. It is. So it comes with BTC pay server installed. The one thing that I asked about... I'm so excited. On, yeah, I'm excited about that. <laughs> one thing I asked about on Twitter was, will we be able to connect to BTC Pay Server on our node uh, from the open web, right? Because one thing about that is it's not super secure to open your... Um, your home router. Your the node, right, to, oh. to the open web. So basically, you'd, you'd have to turn it into a web server to be able to... Like host open like connect yeah. to the pay server from your website, right? So you have a, a website on the open web. The goal is to be able to run transactions through your own BTC pay server. And so, like, I have a noddle as well. And on noddle, the way you handle that is, you know, like keto miners, like, no, obviously, we're not going to open up the the uh, 
the node to be a web server and serve BTC based server, right? The reason they have it on there is so that you can use it locally for like a, a brick and mortar shop, right? Yes. So you can like stick it under there and, and have a QR scanner and, you know, run it that way. But it's not made to run an e-commerce site off the web. So what you can do though is use a cloud instance of BTC pay server uh, and then connect it to your node in the background. So you can use the Tor connection, the onion address for your node uh, to connect from BTC pay server. But the BTC pay server software itself is actually hosted on the open web in the cloud. Uh, and But it goes to your node through, uh, through Tor to actually process transactions. So I asked on, um, on that thread uh, where they announced Casa 2, I was like, so will we be able to connect on from the open web to BTC pay server on our node? Uh, or are we going to have to do it like, you know, connect through onion from, a, a, an open, you know, a cloud hosted instance of BTC pay server. Uh, and they said that there'll be more details. They responded with, will there be more details about that soon? Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of assuming that it's going to be kind of the same as the model, right? So, the instance of BTC pay server that's on the node itself uh, can be used like locally, like in a brick and mortar shop. If you want to run an e-commerce site off of it, you'll have to do cloud hosted instance of BTC pay server and connect through Tor to the Lightning and, B and Bitcoin nodes on your Casa. That's what I'm guessing. Unless they figured something out that Noddle hasn't. So it's kind of so. interesting, right? Because it's going it, to, it, I mean, I, I was talking to, um, uh, to somebody um, that was saying that essentially you know cash app is probably going to be one of the major players in the um you know we'll say the like bitcoin and lightning commerce you know even at, at the retail level but i think that it's not unfeasible for a store owner to set up their own node and buy a cheap invoice terminal you know yeah. something like that you know like a like an m5 stack like those things that i play with and you know that uh you know uh, BTC yeah. socialist showed me um, like I, I don't think it's unusual or or I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that somebody would use that because it's incredibly simple you know right. you you either have a, an auto-generated QR code for items right either at directly at the item itself or whatever it is or you have the actual invoicing terminal where you could yeah. type in the amounts so I mean I, I could see I could see square I, so I, I think that there's a, like some friction there right? Yeah. For retailers. And so many of the retailers are in there with Square already. And they, you know, they have those nice screens and you just like flip around and they run your card and stuff and you sign. It's a nice user experience. It's a nice experience for the retailers. Um, and trying to introduce like a separate piece of hardware uh, and, and all that with QR scanners that's like completely separate from the, from the Square machine definitely introduced a lot of friction. So I would think, I think it would be really interesting if Square would put like a, uh, a full node in those machines, right? So it becomes a, a part of that machine. You plug it in. It's got, you know, full Bitcoin node, full Lightning node. And the transactions that are happening through Cash App will actually be processed, right, you know, through your own node. So you'll be a self-sovereign retailer, um, you know, not trusting uh, another, you know, like Square's nodes or whatever, um, which is, you know, the same as like, you know, using Ledger Live, uh, you know, where, where you're processing all your transactions through Ledger's node, you know, um, and that, that's not ideal. That, that's a, you know, big privacy loss. They are privy to all of your transactions, could be logged, could be breached. You know, it's, you don't want to, you don't want to do that stuff. So, oh yeah, yeah, I, I would think that would be a less, like less friction for the retailers. 
uh, if, if Square could kind of could make that happen and make that an option, that'd be pretty sick. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I hadn't thought about that before, but it just kind of popped into my head when we were talking about it. That's, um, a, that, that's a good point, though. You know, like, I mean, that, that kind of is there. You know, I mean, it, there's still that space for, you know, like smaller players locally to come in and set these things up. But to your point, you know, like from a national, you know, from a, a national brand, I guess you'd say, you know, or an international brand, because I don't think Square is just in the U.S., but it, regardless of like they have a way bigger network and they have like probably a way bigger capability or an easier capability to do that kind of an integration. So it would yeah. be interesting. It, it, it would be interesting. And I think that they would just have to kind of do it. I don't think you they'd ha like if you made it an option, I think you know, at least at first retailers would be like, I don't really care. I'll just run things let cash app handle it. Right. Yeah. On the back end. So like the easiest way is just use cash app to pay some Bitcoin and like, let, let cash app handle all the, all the transactions on the back end and the conversions between fiat and Bitcoin, which like they already do. Um, so like the Bitcoin you hold on cash app is obviously custodial. Uh, and it's, you know, makes it easy that centralized, uh, setup makes it easy for users to just kind of whatever you think you're using bitcoin but you're not really using bitcoin you know so i feel like jack would have to just kind of make it happen so like you know from x date all square terminals retail terminals will come with a bitcoin node and lightning node it's pre-installed and we'll, we'll run all transactions bitcoin transactions through that as opposed to just through the cash app and and the full custodial service um oh yeah and then yeah you'd have you could actually like hold your own bitcoin um, and then they could even have like a provide a multi-sig service, you know, and have a couple hardware wallets and all that stuff. And yeah, I think it's kind of down the line, but I, I would assume that as Bitcoin, you know, grows and spreads, uh, the first, you know, the first thing is just getting people to use it. And then once they're kind of, you're in the door, uh, educating people. And I think that's going to happen, you know, at, at the, the businesses that are, sort of facilitating that growth of Bitcoin and pushing it out to be used, uh, we'll have to do the education. So like, mm. you know, like, uh, like Casa will have to focus on education, Cash App, you know, they put together that really nice kind of intro to Bitcoin, uh, kind of animated video that was, that was really well done. Like Lolly could, you know, has a, a, a nice position to really do some education. You know, you get people in, they're like, all right, I have these Toshis, what is this all about? And just kind of push education, give Bitcoin is doing a great job, you know, has a great plan they, they just launched, but you know, you can time, give a time locked Bitcoin gift and the recipient will just get a, like this world-class education from Safedine and uh, you know, uh, Matt O'Dell and Pierre. I, I think I can't remember exactly who's all involved, but um, Jan Prisker I know is in there. Um, the author of inventing Bitcoin. So they've got an incredible lineup of partners and once a month you'll get, you know, they'll kind of walk you through like why, what, what's wrong with the money? You know um, how does Bitcoin fix that? You know, how do how can you be more, you know, protect your privacy? You know, what is self-sovereignty? How do you do that? All that stuff. So the, the 12 month progression will kind of walk people all the way through that, which is pretty cool. It's really amazing. And uh, congrats by the way on your sponsorship. Yeah. Thanks man. That was, that was awesome. Corey is doing great work over there and um, I've actually, sign on to be an advisor as well. So uh, I'm, I'm going to be involved uh, with the kind of education development and just kind of, I don't know, helping out wherever I can, I guess. Oh so that's man, that's cool. excellent. 
yeah, that that's genuinely like a good, you know, that's like a great Bitcoin product that that you can actually stand behind. So really, it's it's awesome, because that that's yeah. the, that, that's the kind of stuff that we need to see in the space, you know, that's doing the right thing. So it's yeah, really exactly. awesome. Spreading spreading Bitcoin awareness and adoption in the right way, you yeah. know, and and focus on education, which is really important to me. Uh, you know, one of like my mission on the podcast is to you know teach people how to become a good citizen of Bitcoin and um and get excited about it you know that's so those are kind of my two goals is like get people hyped and and get people educated <laughs> and <know? laughs> and speaking of which you actually uh you have a website right uh citizenbitcoin.world is is that it yeah yes yeah citizenbitcoin.world is is the home of, of the podcast and yeah it's it's really just dedicated to hosting the podcast so it's a really simple website uh where you can go and, and actually listen to the, the podcast through a web player subscribe um, look through all the episodes and that's it. That's all there is right there right now. Um, and I am, you know, everybody's kind of got these, there's a lot of like Bitcoin resources out there. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really, I wasn't really worried about kind of putting my own take on that to like, uh, on the, on the website. I just wanted to like have it hyper-focused on the podcast. When somebody came there, my goal is just like yep. get them to listen or get them to subscribe, you know? Um, but I, I've started working on a, a side project uh, that's sort of a, a take on Bitcoin resources. I'm working cool. on it. Yeah, I'm working on it with uh, with Tim. I can't. I, I need to ask him how to pronounce his last name. Tim Tim Kaziski Kaziski, I think, or something like that. Uh, boot, at Bootstrap Bandit on Twitter, which is easier for me to say. Cool. Uh, he is the developer of uh, Ellen Paywall Lightning? Oh the, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he's, he's rebranded to Ellen Pay. He got rid of the wall, so. Um, but yeah, I won, it won like a lightning, uh, hackathon out of Bitcoin 2019. Uh, he's been, he's out in Europe now, just kind of d- doing the digital nomad thing and went to the Berlin lightning conference and all that. So he's, he's, uh, kind of the developer side of it. And then, um, I've got, uh, at binary dreaming, uh, on Twitter. He, he's, uh, he's a designer, uh, a really great designer, uh, living out in San Francisco and so uh, kind of recruited him and, and Tim, and I'm sort of just kind of project managing, I guess, or just kind of providing, um, you know, like the idea. I had the idea, kind of pulled together the team. And, you know, once we launch, I'll kind of be responsible for marketing and, and you know, kind of get it out to other Bitcoiners to get some feedback and then, you know, just kind of push it through the podcast and Twitter. Um, and so, yeah, so the, I mean, the basic idea is... Uh, uh, kind of crowd curated list of resources. So it's sort of like laps.co where you can go and vote up um, lightning apps. And, you know, you've got like kind of a thread or a list and you just rank them by the, the, you know, those, those that get the most votes and we'll have, uh, we're starting, we're going to launch with five different resources. So we're going to have articles, books, and podcasts, obviously, and the two that I'm most excited about are Twitter threads because those are super hard to surface. Yes. And then podcast episodes, right? So actually individual episodes. So uh, eventually you'll, we'll have tagging. So like you can, you know, you have economics or mining or, you know, um, base layer or lightning, you know, and we can tag, provide, you know, several tags for each like episode or thread. And you can kind of go through and, and sort them like that. You can also like, you know, filter the podcast episodes by the podcast itself. So if you wanted to like just find the top uh, fun with Bitcoin podcasts, you know, you could kind of filter it down by that and see which ones have been 
you know, the most, the most highly rated. Um, and the voting mechanism is pretty cool too. So you can, you log in with Twitter and you can vote once per resource. Uh, we have to, have, we have to create accounts because, you know, we want to limit the voting so it can't be well, games. Because yeah. that's the hardest part about doing something like this is, you know, preventing gaming of the system. So yeah, you can do one, uh, one free vote per account for each resource. Or, and, and like in addition, then you can like 10x your vote for a dollar's worth of sats. And every month, the sats will be donated to a Bitcoin open source project. So, um, that's awesome. And the users will vote on that as well. So users will vote on which, which project will get the sats that month. Um, if a project gets, let's say like Zap gets voted on for the first month, we send the sats over to Zap. And then they'll kind of come out, come out of the um, you know list of projects to be that are that are you know um, up for being voted on that month, and like they can be you know sit out for like six months, and then they'll kind of rotate back in, so that we'll get you know kind of fresh projects, uh, and all the popular projects won't like just take all the take all the donations, you know. Um, yeah, so that's the that's the basic idea, and then in the end, we'll have sort of this you know Bitcoiners will have curated this list of resources. Uh, it's not just kind of one Bitcoiner doing it, um, and, and, and kind of making the decisions like in the case of like, like Gigi's, although Gigi did open source his project uh, recently. So Bitcoin resources.com is now open source. And so he's cool. taking feedback from people. Uh, lops page is also open source. You can c- contribute to that, which is nice. Um, but there's some friction there. You know, not everybody knows how to use GitHub. Uh, this will, I think, open it up to everybody. So yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll get something out there, you know, in the coming like four to six weeks or something like that. We're, uh, we've been jamming away and making good progress. And once you kind of get that ball rolling, like that building kind of virus takes hold in your brain. You're just like, you know, all you can think about is like getting this out the door, but you know, the hard part is getting started. (laughs) It is. And it really is. Right. So it goes back to that, uh, you know, slowly at first and then all of a sudden, exactly because because it's, it's so true. So, so, yeah. so I'm listening to all this and, and obviously yeah. I, I, I'm hearing like, Hey, you didn't make a shit coin for this. Look, look at that. <laughs> no. You were able to look at that. You were able to, you guys are building something amazing and you don't need a shit coin. Who, don't need a shit coin, who, man. Who would have thought uh, you could have done that with sats? Yeah. Right. I've heard them. <laughs> I've heard them referred to as uh, friction tokens. <laughs> <laughs> they are. That's awesome. Yeah, which is what I mean. It makes perfect sense because it's, it's you have this useless token. The only use for that token is to try to enrich yourself, right? That's right. Uh, really, it just adds in friction to the user experience, right? Because like, who wants to, you know, like have another form of money, quote unquote money, right? That's not what money is, man. Money is the one most saleable good, right? That's right. So, and we all know that now. So it's. Yeah, it's just adding friction in because then you're going to have to go and trade that token in for the actual money that you want, you know. Well, look, man, I, I definitely look forward to supporting that project. That sounds absolutely awesome and it's brilliant. Seriously. Like that that is one of the toughest things that I find is curating the information because as you know, uh, you know, there is so much. It's it's just unbelievable. I mean, I you know what I mean? Like I have bookmarks from months ago that I still haven't gotten to probably even last year. Yeah. So, I mean, this yeah. would be so helpful to even be able to like log into something where you can actually see the most curated things based on your filters of what you're looking for, you know, like just yeah, to yeah. see the top items for that stuff. I mean, that that's freaking genius. Yeah. I think it'll be really helpful. Oh yeah. We're, 
Like and, for noobs coming in. Or being, uh, or being able to share that list with noobs, right? Like let's say somebody yeah, right. like wants to ask you for a recommendation. Well, now all of a sudden you can provide somebody a list of actually your most recommended podcasts, uh, uh, you know, yeah. documents, articles, videos. It's like, here you go. Right. Here's the yeah. list. Because you could really easily oh, uh, just limit it to a, cert a particular user's votes, right? So like... I could give you a, link, a URL that filters everything else except the stuff I voted on. So here's my list, my top list, you know, and then you could also just kind of, you know, get rid of that and just see everybody's kind of collective rankings. And I think it'll be really useful to do, have the all time lists, you know, uh, yes. for noobs, especially because you want to start working through things, but then we're going to have uh, like a trending list as well. So like you can come in and we'll kind of, we'll limit it to like, you know, the resources that have been most voted up in the past seven days or something like that. And so Bitcoiners who know what's up and have gone through all that stuff that's in the top, you know, all time lists, you know, like bullish case for Bitcoin and yes. the Bitcoin standard and all that stuff, which I'm sure will flow to the top, um, you know, we'll have a reason to come back and like see things. So, you know, like, hey, you sit down and you have some time to, you know, to read and you want to catch up on the best of the week. You just kind of go there and go to the trending tab. And, and so we'll have something for, you know. The, the maximalists among us who have been in the space, the old grizzled veterans, you know, <laughs> who've been in the space for a while. I, 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 def uh, I definitely look forward to having a list of the most bullish podcasts where I could listen to like the, uh, you know, yeah. the, the <laughs> Mahmood like, one. And then after that, the, you know, the Mazir podcast. And then after that, yeah. you know, the Bitcoin Tina and like yeah. the hundred trillion, like you just have like a whole, you yeah. know, it's like your Rocky list. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like it. the montage. Yeah, we should have like one of the tags should be hyper bullish. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Hyper bullish. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're, you know, it's going to be the MVP is going to be stripped down. So I can have tags and, you know, it's going to be seeing something like you won't be able to give someone a link for all of your personal votes, and all that stuff. But, you know, we'll get something out the door. It'll be an open source project. So we'll, you know, hopefully get some people in to kind of contribute toward uh, developing out those ideas and adding that additional functionality. Very cool, man. Very cool. So yeah, we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to, that's an exclusive, by the way, I haven't talked about it publicly yet. <laughs> Thank <laughs> so you. you got it. Dude, that's amazing. And I'm, I'm super yeah. excited for you. I think it's so cool. Like that, that is an awesome project and it's going to help out so many people because I, yeah, I definitely, the confusion is real. Okay. Yeah. Like, and we're not talking about confusion. Hold on. I don't, I want to straighten something out. We're not talking the confusion of too many Bitcoins. Okay. It's not the, 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 the stupid, uh, Pedro confusion. It's the, it's the confusion of the, what is the best material out there or what is the most read and understood material out there. So that's where it's going to be good. You know, where we get right, to right. filter out the noise and just see the signal. Yeah. And one of the reasons that we're doing 10 X for a lightning vote, right? One, we want to like kind of add in this mechanic that raises some money for Bitcoin projects, because I think that's something that we really need to do as Bitcoiners. And there are certainly Bitcoiners out there that are really good about supporting open source projects, but it's also just not something that people get around to doing or something. There's some friction there. So it's kind of, it'll be cool to combine curation of material that will help the community in that way with also raising money for these really important projects, you know, that we need to, that are, you know, super important to the space. Right. And it's great to see some projects getting support like BTC space server, getting support from square crypto yeah. uh, and from async recently. And that's awesome. Uh, you know, but they're, they're one project and there's so many more that could use support as well. So that's cool. But one of the reasons we wanted to 10X the lightning votes is that that's a great filter for like, you know, that's a Bitcoiner, at least for now, right? You know that that's a Bitcoiner if they have the ability to use lightning, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, 
So that, that, you know, is a way to sort of filter out for uh, giving weight to people we know are into Bitcoin right now. So, yeah. Cool. So yeah. we're going to, uh, we're going to wrap it up, but, uh, but before we do, do you have any, uh, any final thoughts for the, uh, for the listeners? Um, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, Bitcoin is going to change the world. Um, Bitcoin is going to save the world in a lot of ways. It's going to uh, save people, individuals. It's going to improve their lives. Uh, you know, I've said this recently on, on uh, John Vallis' podcast, but it's, it's changed my life. Um, I have become much more cognizant of saving, much more thoughtful about my future. Um, I have, you know, become more disciplined I become healthier because I've become more disciplined. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've become more productive. I have more self-respect because of all those things. Um, I feel like, you know, and, and it's people will be like, well, <laughs> you know, how, how do you like, how does that happen with just like using Bitcoin or having Bitcoin in your life or understanding Bitcoin? Like how can it do that to you? Right. But it's really simply the truth of hard money. Right. So we have this incentive, this economic incentive to just think longer term. And from that simple change comes all of these amazing uh kind of just follow on um you know influences on your life and and it's that one simple influence creates all these great downstream effects and then with the kind of cumulative you know effect on all these individuals will create a society that is you know more the longer thinks longer term and you know is more thoughtful about the future engages in longer term projects is not so focused on consumerism the short term you know planned obsolescence all that kind of stuff that you know is is part of fiat culture um so you are you're listening to this this podcast um you are doing something important by learning about bitcoin by listening to this podcast by reading and sharing and educating others um, just holding Bitcoin is a, an act of defiance against this tyranny of fiat that we're living in right now, this default Keynesian age. So keep it up. You are part of a revolution. You are doing something incredibly important and that you will be extremely proud of uh, later in your life when you're looking, we're looking back 20, 30 years from now and we'll just have an amazing sense of satisfaction that we were there at the beginning and we were you know, doing our part to make this amazing Bitcoin future happen. So thanks for being here, guys. (laughs) Cool, man. That is like the, I think that's like the best final thoughts I've gotten from anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. That is like the most bullish. That's awesome. And I totally agree. So look, I'm going to, obviously I'm going to put the link to your, uh, your website in the show notes and um, what's the, uh, what's the best way for, uh, for listeners to, uh, to contact you. At Citizen Bitcoin on Twitter, my DMs are open. Cool. Uh, CitizenBitcoin.world for the podcast, and you can really easily subscribe from there. Um, yeah, lots of great content there, great guest lists, uh, nice archive building up. Um, yeah, so check it out and let me know what you think about it. DM me or just uh, you know post on Twitter and and let me know like what episode you liked and you know what you something that really stuck with you would be awesome to hear. I love getting those kind of tweets. So cool. So thank you so much again, man, for joining us. This was awesome. This was awesome, man. It was great. Thanks for having me. Cool. Cheers. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Brady. I really did. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's one of the first Bitcoiners that I met in the space and one of the first Bitcoin podcasters that I really got to uh, you know, shoot the shit with. So it was definitely an honor to, uh, to finally have him on the podcast.
So anyways, his information will be in the show notes as well. My information will also be in the show notes. If you want to reach me, you can find me on Twitter or Telegram. I'm at CoinIcarus. If you want to shoot me an email, it's funwithbitcoin at protonmail.com. And if you want to support the show, which is super cool, you can go over to moetarags.com and go to All Clothing and select Fun With Bitcoin Podcast. And you can check out some of our cool swag. Support the show. Anyways, hope you enjoyed and I'll catch you all next time. <laughs>